This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Of the running themes of this podcast... Um, anarcho-socialism, uh, amateur economics, um, Russia's sponsorship mm-hmm. pursuits. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is the idea that I don't do any work and you do all the work. I mean, you bring that one up, and I don't think that's necessarily true, but yes, go. Uh, it's, it's not a million miles away from the mark. It's not false. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, it's a greyish area, but it's pretty not grey. So... One of the t- things on the to-do list for Spooko yeah. right, is to assemble a Songs of Spooko Spotify oh, playlist. Shit. And so I was going to come in today and be like, where's the fucking playlist? And then I was like, oh, no, did I agree that I would do the playlist because I have absolutely no idea what's going on and I do zero work for this playlist? So, Shaq, was that, was that my job? I left you in the lurch. I think it was my job and I do need to do it, but... Okay, get on to it. As a busy dad... <laughs> With multiple uh, responsibilities, including uh, recording... socialism Anarcho-socialism and editing and releasing this podcast. Doing all the work. Doing all the work on this podcast. Sometimes things slip my mind. Don't let this one, this would be so fun, because um, my son and your godson has a submission for it. Um, it's, it's, it's... I thought you said we couldn't submit songs to this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, you go. You go. I get it. I'll, I'll make an allowance for my godson. Thank you. Um, the difficulty, though, is because I have zero contact with pop culture, which is something we learned before when we found out I didn't yeah. know any celebrities. Yeah. I don't know if this is a sick, interesting new song or if it's fucking played out and corny. So I have to submit it to you to see whether it makes okay. the spooko. So I think okay. if it's played out and corny, we probably can't have it. Because on our previous podcast, Fussy Eater, we compared Stormzy to Ed Sheeran and one of them yeah. was meant to be like yeah Stormzy it's 2016 no one's heard of Stormzy this is sick <laughs> and like played out old Ed Sheeran and now basically they're the same artist so, <laughs> so <laughs> that is, how did they become the same artist yeah, it's, it's so weird yeah, it's bizarre like Stormzy's on the Shape of You remix yeah. it's like yeah here's my Stormzy verse and I'm pretty sure Ed Sheeran's on the Stormzy album anyway oh. so there you go He's um, uh, whatever eldest royal son's favourite rapper. He's like, yes, my favourite rapper, Stormzy. And it's like, well, okay, cool. We've all fallen off the... Like, nothing means anything anymore. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we've just fallen down a rabbit hole. Cool, yeah, I'm with you. So, um, your god, golden, your platinum child um, submission is this one that I'll try to conjure up because it's now on all my Spotify playlists because he's figured out how to use my phone and put it on there. Amazing. And it goes like... Lately, sometimes I've been thinking I want you to be happier 
I want you to be happier. And we're sitting in a cafe now and there's super pedestrian music of that like 2005 ilk of like, hey, this is sort of sampley hip hop, but super approachable. Basically RJD2 or like some French DJ who's like, oh yeah. But then a year later you'd get always very white women over a beat like this with an acoustic guitar and a song about like body positivity. Basically, it's like, we heard the first Avalanches album. <laughs> we liked it. So here's our take. But then we read Mamma Mia and we put the two things together. So, Shag, can I chase you or can you chase me about making a Spooko playlist and seeing whether lately sometimes I've been thinking I want you to be happier fits on it? By the time this episode comes out, yep. even though this is already I'll have to do some night, serious editing. Yep. Yeah, it'll be, it'll exist. What will it be called? Uh, Songs of Spooko? I think so. Yeah, okay. It'd be interesting to see what it's actually called, but I assume that's what that's it's going to be called. That's a good vibe. Or like Spooko Songs. Maybe Spooko Songs is better. Is it misleading? Maybe, back to, maybe, back to your class action. Maybe we could, you know, because Spanish music's so big at the moment, maybe we, we could be like Canciones de Spooko. <laughs> Although maybe in Spanish it's Espuco. So it's like Canciones de Espuco. You know, I just pretend to like Bad Bunny because I'm aware that it's cool. <laughs> Bad Bunny's good. Oh, yeah, no, I know that. I just have never heard any Bad Bunny songs. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like do you know who's cool? Bad Bunny. <laughs> To be fair, if you've heard a reggaeton beat (laughs) and you've heard, like, chords going together and you've heard Spanish speaking and you've heard people singing, put all of those things together in your mind. Like, get your mind to put, like, use memory to combine all those things into one memory that you remember is real. That's what Bad Bunny sounds like. So in years from time, you'll be thinking, but you'll be like, I love this song. (laughs) And it won't be that far off. Anyway, okay, so... Today we're doing a suggestion uh, from a dude called Ted. Big yeah. ups, Ted. What up, Ted? Uh, if you do have suggestions for films we need do to do... I know Ted interpersonally? Like, maybe. I don't know. I don't know Ted. Cool. So... Ted, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> Tell your fucking friends <laughs> to follow our Instagram page. <laughs> but this, yes. I think this is a really good one. Yeah. So, it's based on a folklore or an urban legend, mm. and I think this is super cool. So I read, I read this, uh, I read in a in an article about this film. Do we play the preview now? Well, hang on, here. No, no, I'm just going to give you like a little you bit of a. Yeah, okay. There's, there's before. I haven't even. I know you know what it's going to be because yeah. I said last time. But Ted, like, Ted, Ted told me. Let's let's build up to it. So yeah. it's based on an urban legend, mm. and I read this really good quote about urban legends and why they're super spooky. Yep. In an article about this film that said urban or folklore legends get their power from their imperfect believability and our wild imagination they're too awful to be real but what if they were oh that's fun which is good right that's really fun and it's, it's that thing we talked about before with the Blair Witch it's like you know it's not real but it's like but what, what if, if the Blair it it's like you know when they said all of the creators of it have disappeared and that's why they can't be at the Cannes Film Festival that was all marketing, but what if it's not marketing? Even though you know the company that did it and have like a case study on their website being like, this is a triumph of marketing. You're like, hmm, yeah, but what if that's all retconning? So Peach, I just want to, and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna film you while this happens. So today we're doing Candyman, yep. not Jordan Peele's one, because it hasn't come out yet. Um, but oh, the 1991, origi- I've heard about this. It's 1992, we're doing the original one. And it's based on the idea that if you say the words Candyman five times, he appears with a rusty hook in place of his hand and kills you. 
And there's also bees there as well. Uh, because you're a super tough guy, but also a pretty spook guy, I just want to film you saying Candyman five times, all right? Do I say it into the phone or do I say it into a reflection? You say it into the phone because it kind of counts as saying into the thing. Okay. So are you, uh, Is it just Candyman? You just say, and you just have to say Candyman. And you have to just don't let them run into each other. Just say Candyman okay. five times. Candyman, 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 <laughs> Candyman, Candyman. And nothing's happened. Okay, cool. So... Say my name, say my name. But it's kind of cool to know that, like, okay, before we do this film, we've done that. Yeah. Although he doesn't always appear straight away. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was looking for my reflection in the camera on your phone. I'm like, no, oh, shit. And Maybe also, this counts as a mirror. And I know sometimes you do like to work, like, late at night when no one else is in the office. Perfect time for Candyman uh, to show like, up. I'm, fun. I'm having fun being jaunty in the morning with the, like... Boring hip hop from 15 years ago, buzzing away in the background, and a bit of daylight and some greenery, <laughs> and nothing feels very spooky at the moment. So, the thing about the thing about Candyman is, and before we go into it, uh, we should acknowledge that you know we have, st- for some some reason, we've turned this uh, podcast into a slightly anarcho, anarcho socialist. Well, what's interesting about Candyman is mm. that it was based on. One of your best mates, Clive Barker's early stories. Oh, not Clive. About class disparity in England. It was then taken by an this American. Bloody Mary. Is, so, this, is this what it was? Well, it was. It's, it's it's that, but it's also the original story was based on sort of class disparity in a housing estate in I think Leeds, okay. and it was then taken by an American director for '92 for their version to reset in Chicago. And about sort of the lingering effects of you know racism on mm. social disparity and class in yes. inner city Chicago. Yes. And you know how that manifests in things like wealth inequality, but also gentrification as well. I don't know if that's gonna come out in a Wikipedia synopsis. I just wanted to acknowledge before we go into this that this isn't just a fun, jokey horror film, although it absolutely is that, because it has a bad guy who has a hook but also bees. <laughs> Which aren't scary. Like, even we've talked about how you can turn things that aren't scary, scary. And I'm sorry if you have a bee allergy and you're like, well, fuck, they're the scariest thing in the world for me. And I get that. But for everybody else in the world, bees just can't be scary. So let's eat the rich regardless of whether they're bees or not. Let's do it. Have you ever heard of Candyman? And if you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. Lately, sometimes I've been thinking, <laughs> I want you to be happier. So I think Peach is in a really jaunty mood yeah, because man. today, uh, well, I mean, obviously it's the same night. Yep. Sorry, tonight. <laughs> but we'd yep. escape the studio for a second to yep. go into... Uh, hilariously decorated inner city cafe where I feel like we're sitting in a stagecoach. CBD. CBD. Sorry, CBD. We're sitting in a, like, every booth is its own separate little gazebo. It's really strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is This is a bizarre place. It's a cool vibe. Uh, it's funded by uh, an investment bank that I'm not friends with, so I don't particularly care. <laughs> but, but, but it works as well. But you're also in a jaunty vibe because... You know, in the space between this episode, because obviously these episodes, because I know we can we leave. put expatriate a song from the spaces between album. Well, you need to sing it. Well, you need to sing it. For well, which one? Like a blackbird, 
something. <laughs> Think of the sky. What is it like in the airplanes? In the thing and back again. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> that's definitely it. Um. <laughs> so, so any song I sing gets on the playlist. Sorry, is that the... Maybe it only has to be mentioned. Yeah. Well, and it's been mentioned now, so it goes. Sick. So Spitzenegger's Weapon of Choice is on there as well, so that's going to be sick. <laughs> so much Spitzenegger. It's mainly Spitzenegger. Although you pretty much only ever sing the one Spitzenegger song. Which no, is... we- Weapon of Choice and Emperor's New Flow. Emperor's New Flow, sorry, yeah, the two. And Fresh Breath Music. And Fresh Breath Music, yeah, okay, so there's three. <laughs> so Candyman, I just watched the trailer. So Peach just watched the trailer. The cast was insane. Did I recognise everyone, none of whom's names I can remember? Yes, but it is one of those things where, you know, it was 1992, so they did have money to make films. Um, but I'll tell you who they are. It's uh, Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, Xander Berkeley, and Cassie Lemons, all of your faves. Classic. <laughs> they finally got the gang back together. <laughs> Music by Philip Glass. Which is actually—is he the one who did the like four-minute silence song? Was yeah, like, mm, gotcha. yeah. Which I, which yeah, and I hate memes about it too because it's like we get it. Like you know one reference in pop culture. Uh, written and directed by a guy called Bernard Rose, who uh, who specifically uh, spoke to Clive Barker to get permission to do this when they worked on Nightbreed, a Clive Barker film from 1990. Which we might eventually do. FYI, John Blogsy, uh, no copyrighted an idea. You could have just gone ahead and done it. Oh, really? Ah, uh, sort of. But the expression of an idea. Like, if I... Yeah, so exactly what you said is right. Yeah. So, I go, hey, I'm going to have intergalactic father-son. Dad wears black and has a light sword. Son wears white and has a light sword. It's going to be really, really boring, but like, <laughs> it's going to become iconic. That's an idea. You can do that. I can do that. And that's fine. The expression of that idea, exactly as you say... Is I can't say itself. my film is set in the Star Wars universe. Oh, you certainly can't like, say that. Yeah. That's a that's that's passing off. But similar shots and similar fonts and, and that okay. kind of thing. All right. Anyway, so Candyman. <laughs> Talking about Star Wars being boring has become a weird subtext to this podcast. But it is the first one, and it's no They're shade. All very boring. Aren't yeah, they? the first one, and not the as in the fourth one in the yeah, series. Yeah, I get it. The, the 1977 one. one. Yep. Nothing happens for the first half hour. It is sorry. Not even the sorry. Nothing happens for the first half of the film. It sucks so much. <laughs> and then he's like this weird teenager who wants to go... Anyway, sorry, it doesn't matter. It sucks. Um, okay, so Candyman, 1992. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm amped. Helen Lyle, a Chicago semiotics graduate student researching urban legends. Okay, let's pause here for a yep. second. Because in 1992, that would have been a ridiculous career choice. Everyone would have been like, you are wasting your time. Why aren't you oh, opening know. a DVD store or <laughs> becoming a camera repairman, yeah. right? No, but I genuinely think, but now, if you chose to study like semiotics and urban legends, businesses would employ you to write their like, you know, campaign. No, that's because you're peculiarly switched on and creative in this. Like, I don't want to give you a, like, a proper grown-up answer, but you are unusually intelligent and switched on in this area I and am, you're yes. unusually juiced <laughs> into how this could work like I did essentially semiotics like contemporary history at uni in 2002 about beer I believe about beer but there was one we did on um, uh, black culture in the US and it was like this week we're talking about old school versus new school rap and there was like a 1992 essay about Snoop Dogg and I was like that's right <laughs> I'm writing about Snoop <laughs> <laughs> And I did not get a job writing <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I mean. Because this happened, again, remember, we were in uni at the start of this millennium, which is insane. Yeah. 
So it's ages ago. We're old as fuck. So if you did that now, it'd be sick. Anyway, yeah. look, I digress. Helen Lyle, who's this Chicago semiotics graduate studying mm. over legend, here's a local story about the Candyman. The legend claims that the Candyman could be summoned by saying his name five times while facing a mirror. Okay, which I've never done. Well, you oh. didn't face a mirror. That's why it didn't work. Sick. So we need to find a mirror and do that again. Are we can do it again. Yeah, probably. Oh. Um, so when so when you do this five times facing a mirror, he kills the summoner with a hook jammed on the bloody stump of his right arm. It oh. doesn't say anything about the bees yet, but bees are a part of it. Sick. She encounters two cleaning ladies who tell her about Ruthie Jean, a resident in the notorious Cabrini housing project who they claim was killed by the candy man. Now, one of the... Ba- I, I, I lived in a house called Cabrini House you for six did. months. You did? That's really... And you came and stayed with I me. I did. I did. That is really Ooh, weird. Candy man, candy man, candy also, man, candy man. Also, I'm doing this man. weird thing at the moment where... I don't know how to pronounce things. <laughs> so for some reason, and I'm sorry if I do this during this podcast. Specifically, you always had problems with. I I've always had problems with this. So for example, at work, you know, in the marketing world, we mm. have things, we have briefs. Yep. And then... Same once, as in the legal world. So, so you get a brief and then when, you know, it goes back to the client and then comes back to you, you get a debrief. Yep. So for some reason, I've started pronouncing it as debrief. <laughs> and I don't know why. And I think I'm going to do this in this podcast as well. I'm going to call it the Candyman. <laughs> I don't know why. So I'm sorry if I do, but I might call him Candyman. Uh, it's shit. So there's a resident in the notorious Cabrini housing project. Now, again, not... Uh, it's not us. Yeah. Yeah. And it might not be mentioned in this podcast. But a big part of this film is the stigma around housing projects and, you know, how that reflects the class system in inner cities. Um, Helen researches the case and learns of 25 murders similar to that of Ricky Jeans. Now, I want to stop here as well and go, what's going on with the police when they're... Like, like I get that a lot of people overlook murders, but 25 similar murders of a guy with a hook... Even I feel like a that's a comment area. about race. I feel like that's a, uh, that's okay. another comment about race of yeah. like we don't we don't care for our yeah our, good point our excluded communities. Good point. Good point. Because yeah, you're right. Because if that was in Mossman, for example, yeah, and like, a, <laughs> I mean there was a guy doing poos on the ground and yeah. it become became national news. No. <laughs> that's Hookman Jones. <laughs> Hookman. <laughs> Watch out for Hookman Beesman. Hookman debris. <laughs> So, okay, so later on that evening, Helen and her friend... Fucking Hookman Jones. <laughs> Watch out for Hookman Jones. Oh, <laughs> Hook- shout out to all our mozzie listeners. What's up? <laughs> Don't say Hookman Jones in your ensuite five times. <laughs> you we'll kill your gardener. <laughs> Do you remember all those house parties we went to at like super, super rich people's houses that had two mirrors? One of them was like a... It was described to me by these young women, these young women or girls when we were just young boys, um, as like the pimple popping mirror. So you'd have your big, great big mirror, and then your little zoom in mirror that you'd like extend and stretch. Oh out. my god! You know, so maybe summon Hookman Jones in the pimple popping mirror, and you summon Candyman in the big mirror. So the thing I remember about going, well, yeah, exactly. Which mirror does he come out of? Yeah. The thing I remember about going to rich houses was the amount of bidets I saw, and at the time I remember thinking, why would anyone use a bidet? Now that we're in a, you know, a weird. I've never, I've never used one. It doesn't make me happy. Oh, it's the so go to Japan Ugh. and it's it's part of every toilet there and it's the best. No, it feels amazing. So it just doesn't make me happy. No, conceptually. But it's, 
Yes, it's a barrier to cross. It's yeah. like Fussy Eater, right? Yeah. Like, it's a barrier to cross, but once you cross it, you will never go back. I dream of the days. <laughs> Every Australian toilet should be one of the, immediately like, next like an elect, like should be a Japanese electronic toilet, and they're not crazy expensive. You can go onto like Kogan or whatever, <laughs> or eBay, and find, or even like you know Alibaba, and find a really cheap version that you could get sent to you and install in your house. And you have an electronic bidet oh, in your house. Oh, it doesn't make me happy. Well, but like you like, you, we both like the environment on this podcast. Yes. It means you do use less toilet paper, a lot less. Oh, I have nothing to say against that. It's just not, uh, yeah, maybe I've got to get there. It doesn't have to be super harsh. And it's just like a little massage for your butthole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to shut up. I don't like bidet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay, all right. So... <laughs> So later on, her and her friend, Bernadette Walsh, are skeptical about the Candyman's existence and decide to call Candyman's name into the mirror of Helen's bathroom. Only Helen repeats the name five times, but nothing happens. See, like you just did. Yes. Helen learned from Professor Philip Purcell that the Candyman was the son of a slave who became prosperous after developing a system for mass-producing the shoes during the Civil War. At an early age, he was accepted into white society and became a well-known artist and was sought after for the portraits of the wealthy landowners and their offspring. After falling in love and fathering a child with a white woman that he was hired to paint in 1890, the Candyman was set upon by a lynch mob that was hired by his lover's father. Okay, so... This, it, is, this is sick. This yeah, is really cool. Yeah, and I'm glad that Wikipedia doesn't skimp on the nuance of yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They began by cutting his right hand off. He was smeared with the honey that was stolen from an apiary, attracting the hungry bees which stung him to death. His corpse was burned in a pyre and his ashes were scattered across the area where Cabrini Green stood, which was a shanty dam for the Swedish and Irish immigrants. Man, a lot just happened. Sick, yeah, but I'm into it. This is cool. Alright, so Helen decides to write a thesis on how the residents of Cabrini Green use the Candyman legend to cope with the hardships of living there. See, this is what your Snoop thesis could have been. <laughs> if you did it just a I bit ended up writing digging. about Cypress Hill and being like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Cypress Hill? Oh yeah, okay. It was 2002. It, yeah. felt, it felt like there was the tiniest chance <laughs> that they might be relevant again. So... You know how everyone funny, you know yeah. how everyone sells out these days? Yep. Cypress Hill to me are the sort of act that would have sold out immediately. Yeah, like they'd the be like, mo- yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we do not care about anything. Peanut butter? So she and Bernadette enter the housing project to visit the scene of Ruthie Jean's murder. There, they meet residents Anne-Marie McCoy and her baby Anthony, and a young boy named Jake who tells Helen the disturbing story of a child who was castrated in a public restroom by the Candyman. Uh, uh, oh my god, that's awful. That's very upsetting. While Helen explores the rundown restroom, she is attacked by a gang leader who carries a hook and assumes the Candyman's moniker in order to enhance his street cred. Okay, yeah, so that's actually quite sick. That's but, cool. But also Wikipedia being super white, they have street cred in, in inverted, commas. inverted commas and a link to it <laughs> to find out what street cred means. <laughs> Helen survives the assault and is able to identify her attacker to the police who believe him to be responsible for the killings that are being attributed to the Candyman. Which, again, is going to be a comment because they're going to go after him because he's a gang leader. Yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. be wearing a hoodie in the Jordan Peele film. So Helen is confronted by the real Candyman in a parking garage and he explains that since Helen discredited his legend, he must shed innocent blood to perpetuate belief in himself and continue his existence. What? He's like, hey, Helen, guess what? 
Let me help you out with your face. <laughs> Here's the scoop. Well, I kind of like this that he's not like cool. You've said like I kind of like that it's not like you're the white savior. You're gonna like help solve my problem, so I never have to be Candyman again. I kind of like that he's like, you've ruined it. Well, it's like no, like this is my existence now, and I the legend needs to stay on. So Helen blacks out during the encounter and wakes up in Anne Marie's apartment covered in blood. Anne-Marie, whose dog has been decapitated and Anthony taken, attacks Helen. In the midst of defending herself, Helen is arrested by the police. Trevor... Sorry, this is classic Wikipedia where we're getting a million new characters. Trevor... Helen's husband and a professor bails her out of jail, but the candy man... A lot of male professors and female junior students in this film, but anyway, I guess it's 1992. Candyman appears to Helen again and cuts her neck, causing her to bleed to the point of unconsciousness. Bernadette appears at the apartment and is murdered by Candyman, who frames Helen for the crime. Helen is sedated and placed in a I thought his point was he was trying to spread his legend. Why is he framing other people? Well, no, so Bernadette appears at the apartment and is murdered by Candyman... Who frames Helen for his crime? Why does he do that? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And then Helen is sedated and placed in a psychiatric hospital. Okay, cuckoo house. Yeah. Horror, horror film style. Yep. After a month's stay at the hospital, Helen is interviewed by a psychiatrist in preparation for her upcoming trial. Now, I can't remember this film because I saw it years ago, but I'm sure it's like a, so tell me about this dumb yeah, thing that came yeah, anyway, I'm checking my watch. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah, as all good psychiatrists yeah. She attempts to prove her innocence by summoning the Candyman. Candyman kills the psychiatrist and allows Helen to escape. This is pretty cool. Yeah. She returns. Oh, and allows Helen to escape. Yeah, so I don't know his yeah, motives right now. I think, you know what? I think he's making it up as he goes. I don't think he has a, like a lot game plan. We're back to the theme of gaslighting, though, that we come back to in these horror films. Yeah. Believe women. Yeah. She returns home and briefly confronts Trevor, who is now living with Stacy, one of his female undergraduate students. Oh, for fuck's sake. So this is like a month later. This Jesus, Trevor. Fast. Helen flees to Cabrini Green to confront the Candyman and locate Anthony, finding murals depicting the Candyman's lynching. Helen tracks the Candyman down. He tells her to surrender to him to ensure the baby's safety. Offering Helen immortality, the Candyman opens his coat to reveal a ribcage wreathed in bees. That's pretty cool. That's cool. The bees begin to pour out of his mouth and he kisses her, sending the bees down her throat. After the Candyman vanishes with Anthony, Helen finds a mural of the Candyman alongside his lover, Carolyn Sullivan, who bore a striking resemblance to Helen. This and a message left by the Candyman (laughs) implies that Helen is a reincarnation of Sullivan. I mean, that's fun. Like, I'm having fun. I think that's fun. The Candyman promises to release Anthony if Helen helps to incite fear among Cabrini Green's residents. However, in order to feed his own legend, the Candyman re-emerges and attempts to immolate them in a bonfire when it is lit by the residents. Helen manages to save Anthony while the Candyman is destroyed in the fire, but Helen ultimately succumbs to her severe burns and dies from her injuries. The residents, including Anne-Marie and Jake, pay their respects at her funeral with Jake tossing the Candyman's hook into her grave. I don't know how that pays her respect. (laughs) Is the thing that killed everyone. (laughs) Afterward, Trevor, in grief and guilt over Helen's death, faces his bathroom mirror in mourning and says Helen's name five times. Yes, great ending. As a result, Helen's vengeful spirit is summoned and kills Trevor with the Candyman's hook, leaving his body to be found by Stacy. As the credits begin to roll, in the Candyman's former lair, a new mural of Helen with her hair ablaze was seen, showing that she entered local folklore. 
That's really fun. That's real cool. I wouldn't watch that. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? <laughs>